Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, is doing something that many of us have already done. He's retiring. After 22 years at the helm of Liberty, he's stepping down to pursue other goals and enjoy a life with fewer deadlines and pressing responsibilities. In light of that fact, I've asked him over the next four shows to share how he saw the world of religious liberty change during his two decades with the magazine. Today's program will be the first in that short series of four we're calling How the World Changed. This program is sponsored by Liberty Magazine. Okay, Lincoln, it's the late 1990s. You come on board as editor. What was the first situation that caught your attention and changed the world as we know it? When I became Liberty Editor, something that I brought with me was a real affinity for the whole principle and the history of homeschooling. Hmm. When I was in college, I came in contact with Raymond Moore. Mm -hmm. He was a Seventh-day Adventist educator, but known widely in the United States during his career. He's been dead for quite some years now. Mm -hmm. And his expertise was homeschooling. He was uh, published in uh, Reader's Digest and other national papers. And uh, how he came to national prominence is after World War II, he was responsible for the education of uh, Emperor Hirohito's children. Mm and uh, put some of his principles into practice. And his principles were nothing but Ellen White's educational principles sure. in the book education and elsewhere, and biblical principles applied. And now I'm stringing out theory, but a few years later, while I was editor of Liberty, I met with Dr. Dobson, actually sat next to him at a banquet, and after... He sort of bounced me a bit by saying that we Adventists thought that he was bringing in the Sunday law. And I said, no, I don't think you're bringing the Sunday law. But I said, a lot of what you're doing sort of encourages that tendency. But once we settled down, he was very fulsome in his praise of Raymond Moore. Mm -hmm. He said that he'd really done nothing more than put into practice what he'd learned from Dr. Moore. And that was very gratifying. Yes. But many, many times, as an acolyte, I guess, of Raymond Moore, he told me the importance of homeschooling. And so when I came into editing Liberty Magazine, I saw immediately that there was a homeschooling crisis throughout the entire Western world. Homeschoolers, some of them Protestant people with a, a concern about the way Europe was going, mm -hmm. were homeschooling. Others were uh, people that just didn't like modernization. And, you know, there's all sorts of free spirits, but they, they were exercising their right as parents to train their children in their worldview. Mm -hmm. And in Europe... These secular states, not communists, these secular states were persecuting them. And actually, some of them, and I had an article in Liberty uh, very early on in the piece, some of them were fleeing to the United States. Hmm. And it resonated with me because the singular event before I became editor that really encouraged me on religious liberty was as a about a 20-year-old young man traveling with my father on our way back to Australia via just about every other country in the world. Mm -hmm. We stopped in Bulgaria, communist Bulgaria, met with Adventists in their church, and my father spoke greetings, not a sermon. And uh, after the speech, the translator introduced us to his young teenage daughter. 
And they were both very sad-eyed and sorrowful, and he told that she came to church every Sabbath and was following God's leading and the Bible and, and her conscience. But he said, pray for us. They are going to take her from us. Uh-huh. The state says that if she doesn't go to school on Saturday, we are not fit parents and they will remove her. Well, at the time, that seemed just like communist persecution. Yes, yes. But I've come to realize that even in Western countries, there's a growing sense by the state that if you have a wacky religion or a, or a worldview a little out of the norm, they will take your children. Mm-hmm. The same power exists. And so I immediately featured homeschooling in Liberty Magazine. I think it was the first issue I did, right out of the gate. I think it was a month or two after I ran the story, I read in World Magazine, which was, I don't think World exists anymore, but it was an adjunct to Christianity Today. They had a story about a homeschooling family in California. And in the story, I noticed they were Seventh-day Adventists who had six children, I think, and Everything was fine until there was an inter-family fight and the father-in-law, just to cause trouble without anything other than aggravated at them, called social services and complained. And the same day he withdrew his complaint saying he was just angry. But that didn't matter because a policeman and a social service representative appeared at the door demanding entry. The woman phoned the homeschooling association and they said, well, you don't have to let him in without a search warrant, but if you delay, it'll even be worse. So let them in. They immediately accused them of everything under the sun. They separated the children, grilled them about all sorts of abuse, then sent them into foster homes, and it was a two-year experience for these people to maintain their innocence. But As the social services woman left with the policeman, she says, we can't find any evidence of abuse here, but we know there is because of your religion. And they were basically victimized because they were of a faith that was out of the norm and certainly out of the norm for that representative. Mm -hmm. And the full power of the state was exercised. When it was all resolved, after two years of the kids living with foster homes, they left for Canada. And of course, Canada has its own religious liberty issues too. But it's obvious that the ability of parents to inculcate spiritual values is not as secure, even in the West, as many people imagine. Well, now, this took place a number of years ago. Has there been any improvement? Have you seen any positive signs? No, it's much worse. Really? Really? Much worse. And ironically, at that time, Christianity Today came out a little bit against them. And their logic made certain sense, but it wasn't logical as far as the integrity of homeschooling. They said that Christians had an obligation to change society. And by homeschooling, they were keeping the goodness to themselves. And so they should join the public school system and then pressure it to agree with their moral values. Well, we're seeing the fruit of that oh, yeah. today. Yeah. But it really meant that they withdrew strong support from the homeschooling movement. Well, Lincoln, I am speechless here. What should we do if we have parents who love their children and and are not comfortable with what the public school system in their area might be doing or saying or teaching or preaching or whatever else it's going to do? It's many multifaceted, and it's not just a homeschooling issue. My two children at one point for a short period of time attended public schools, Uh which are well run. They've got people running them, but the curriculum is often very heavily biased against traditional values, traditional faith, 
it's really state indoctrination. And not everyone, particularly those of deep spiritual faith, can live with it. And in the past, and, and many much of the founding of the United States was people escaping that sort of problem in the old world. Right. But in many ways, modern society, even in the United States, has entered into this father or the state. The state knows best, or yeah. the big brother knows best. Yes. And to me, it's another signal that we're very late in the day for civil and religious liberties. And most people don't notice it because most people are not politically inclined. And I'm not saying they should be. If you're not involved in political issues, you don't notice a political right, war. Right. And also many people are not spiritually uh, dedicated and committed, even if they're nominally faithful and recognize a God. But if they're not really sensitive, they might not notice the great encroachments on civil and religious liberties, even in the West and and the most Western of Western countries, the United States, even in this country, we see this full-blown, and it's really created a ripeness, I believe, for great intrusion and even persecution of individual faith and family values. Okay, let's say that there are parents listening right now who face the situation and discover that they have to send their kids off to public school or face circumstances that they do not want to face. How do you prepare a child, Lincoln Steed, how do you prepare a child to go to public school and maintain his or her faith in the God we love? Well, I remember talking to Raymond Moore on this, and of course he was into homeschooling, but consistent with the Bible principles and what uh, Ellen White shared with early Adventist pioneers. Those years before seven are pivotal. So even if they're going off to public school, the parent in the home has the ability to implant deeply the most basic biblical values. Mm -hmm. There is some culpability in the family uh, situation in the West, and of course in the United States particularly, working parents, that means that there's latchkey kids, yeah. and uh, the, the inculcation is not taking place at home. And, of course, many well-meaning but paranoid Christians who haven't been able or willing to do it in the home, they, they'd like the public school to do it for them. Yes, it's not yes. going to happen. Yes, yes. It can't happen on a spiritual level because that's not their charter, but they can certainly turn them away from faith very easily and secularize them. The home is where uh, education starts and and the spiritual nurture of young people should begin. No single person can reinvent or reverse all of the problems of society, but that said, they have to start with the single person (laughs) or the single family, you know, in in that situation. That's the the, uh, cradle of civilization in the home. It just seems to me that you are so right, Lincoln Steed, that that parent, that mom or dad, and maybe both of them, maybe just one of them, has to really have a full understanding of who God is, who Jesus is, and have that Christ in his or her heart so that they can reflect it to their child so that when their child has to go off to a public school system, they're going to know the difference between the God that is real and the God that might be being shoved at them in that public school system. Am I right in saying that? Absolutely. And some little historical quirk that very few people seem to be aware of. It's no secret. We just don't talk about it. That the education system once was almost 100% the province, not just of the family, but of the church. Yes. Yes. It's only in relative recent times that the state has moved in and taken over education. 
we become a very utilitarian, you know, post-industrial revolution state where there are skills for the factories and <laughs> other functions of a highly urbanized society that the state feels that it needs to train people in. And that's legitimate to a point. But people have lost sight of the fact that the school was run by the churches because it saw its goal as fitting people to be good Christian citizens in a community of other Christians, where the entire logic has shifted when the state takes control of it. It's very utilitarian, and under a necessary separation of church and state, then absent good family training, you know, we're being trained as moral robots. Okay, Lincoln, Steve, that is the first crisis that you talked about in our four-part series. We're going to continue on our next show as Lincoln prepares for retirement. Listener, I invite you to uh, stop by and listen to us again there at libertymagazine.org. This program was sponsored by Liberty Magazine. Thank you, Lincoln. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258 or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at the same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <laughs>